Let's get together, talk about the movies that we saw this week. We'll have discussions, talk film news, we'll laugh a lot and act like geeks. Sometimes we'll have a guest or two, sometimes it's just the two of us. Let's crack some jokes and tell some folks to come along and hang with us! Mike and Mike go to the movies. Mike and Mike go to the movies. Yeah! You have chosen wisely. Movies. The Final Frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. It's multi-year mission to explore strange new cinema, to seek out new life and new recommendations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. I'm Mike Smith, and joining me as always is a man who, of all the souls I've encountered in my travels, his is the most human. <laughs> Mike DiCiccio. How's it going, Mike? I'm doing just great. I'm excited for a uh, another installment of Kofi makes Mike watch audience yeah. makes. I don't think we've come up with a name for this, but we haven't really. Um, but yeah, this is another edition of people gave us money. And so we watched a movie. Yes, <laughs> we're for sale. And we dare you to do it. Exactly, yes. As we've mentioned many times in the podcast before, uh, we have a Kofi page. You know, we, we have a place uh, where you can donate to the podcast, uh, and you can donate any amount of money you want. You can donate five bucks if you just want to, like, hey, support us, all that kind of stuff. But if you donate $50 or more, uh, you can buy an episode of the podcast. Essentially, make us watch whatever you want. You yeah. can. And, and so far, everybody has been like just making us watch a movie. Uh, you could also like choose a topic. You could choose like, hey, like I got an idea for a let's rank, like do that or something. Yeah. You know, that's absolutely something you can do. Um, but nobody has done that yet. If you have an idea for that, that'd be an interesting one. That'd be pretty good. And that's definitely not precipitated by the fact that we couldn't figure out what to do for the next let's rank. But, <laughs> you know, peek behind the curtain. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Go ahead. Do it, do it on our Kofi page. Everyone so far, we should shout out to those of you that have done that have donated and not been trolls about it except for that one freddy got fingered episode but <laughs> that ended up being a very fun discussion yes absolutely uh so this past year and i think it's really just been this year that we've been doing it yes these donate these donation episodes um we have covered uh Stalag 17 which was really fun like i think the, probably the, the best movie i watched so far yeah heights of cinema fantastic we also ended up uh talking about dungeons and dragons uh from the year 2000 and then also the new dungeons and dragons there was those were two back-to-back episodes yes and then we did freddy got fingered and i think that's that covers it right for the most part I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. that's all of them. I think that's that's pretty much it. And so, yeah, now we've got our next Kofi donation episode. So I want to give a shout out to David, right? Is his name? Yes. Yes. Uh, David, shout out uh, for the, from the D&D episodes, you may remember. And uh, yes. one of my, my longtime Twitter D&D friends. Yes. Uh, you guys have done campaigns together and uh, stuff like that. And I guess David was listening uh, to our other podcast, uh, The Complete Works, where we talk about all of Michelle Yeoh's stuff. I'm assuming this. I'm extrapolating this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, just, just based on like context of like why he would have chosen this to make us watch you know david must have been listening to our the complete works episode on star trek discovery yes uh, where we talked about michelle yo's role in the first two episodes of star trek discovery which is currently airing on paramount plus and we kind of talked about in that episode how we have never been like the biggest trek guys we've been like casual trek guys trek right. guys from a distance right yeah like if trek's on i'm not mad but i'm not gonna go out of my way you know yeah exactly and uh, in that episode i mentioned that like you know i've seen some of the original series i've seen a little bit of next generation um, but I, and I've never really dipped into the Star Trek movies other than the reboots, uh, yeah. the J.J. Abrams uh, 2009 movie, Star Trek Into Darkness, and then Star Trek Beyond. I've seen those three movies, but I had never watched any of the original films uh, featuring the original cast or the Next Generation cast. Uh, you, I think, have seen at least one of them, right? Yeah. First Contact is the only one that I like for sure have seen, but it's been a yeah. very long time and I don't really remember what the total, if I was correct in what I said the plot was last time we talked about it. But I guess. Yeah. We also got uh, the hint that it technically, air quotes, takes place in Montana. So everyone right. very excited about that. <laughs> so that is a, a fun aspect of it as well. But yes, yeah, so you had seen Star Trek First Contact, but similarly, you had also not really dived into any of the Star Trek movies, right? Correct. Yes, correct. I had not seen any of the original cast movies. Yes. Uh, and so David uh, decided to uh, donate to the Kofi page to make us watch uh, what is generally considered the best of the Star Trek movies. Uh, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Uh, from 1982, directed by Nicholas Meyer. Uh, and so I don't know about you, Mike. I tried to go above and beyond with this episode. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> and you t- you talked about this on the Star Trek Discovery episode for the Complete Works about how you've like you've you've t- you've dipped your toes in, you've dabbled with the idea of yes. being a Trek guy, like actually doing it. Yes, and that's the thing. So I the reason I had never watched any of the movies before is because in my mind I was like, well, I got to watch the entire show um, before. <laughs> <laughs> Just psychotic before behavior. <laughs> Like this show from the 1960s, which didn't really have any like long running story arcs or anything. I'm going to need to watch the show first. Yeah, you need Uh, full context. (laughs) And so, uh, yeah, so I I hadn't dipped into the movies, but I actually did buy a Blu-ray set of the original six movies a while back. I think it was on sale for like $15. It had all six of the original cast movies. Uh, And so I was like, oh, yeah, I'll get this. And so, you know, kind of just have it on the back burner, like save it for when I can actually watch Star Trek and then watch the movies. And now this uh, this purchase at the Kofi page has forced me to be like, okay, maybe I can skip watching a lot of the episodes of the show yeah. <laughs> and just dive straight into the movies. So I had about a week to prepare for this. Maybe it was like a week and a half, two weeks, whatever it was. But so David asked us to watch Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And so I was like, okay, I, I will watch Star Trek II, but I have to at least watch Star Trek The Motion Picture in order to fully prepare myself for Star Trek II. I got to watch the first one. And so I did. And I talked about that on last week's episode of the podcast, Mike Mike the movies. I also ended up watching Star Trek three, the search for Spock. So I got the first three Star Treks in. I was really trying to squeeze in Star Trek for the voyage home before this podcast started, but just couldn't get there. I wish I could have, because I do know that two, three and four kind of lead into each other. They all kind of tell like one larger story. Oh, interesting. But uh, in any case, uh, I was not able to do that. I'm very excited to watch four because I've heard four is one of the best ones. Yes. Um, but uh, I did watch the first three Star Trek movies. So I have a little bit of extra context for Wrath of Khan now. Okay. I uh, I only watched Wrath of Khan um, like a good little boy, and uh, I'm very excited to talk about it. And I, and I've, maybe you did a little more research or did any, any research uh, about the context in which this movie came out. Uh, back in the day because we'll get into it but my reaction to it is is kind of uh it's very interesting i'll say interesting okay yeah so uh let's get into it it's time to talk about star trek 2 the wrath of khan beyond the darkness beyond the human evolution is khan a genetically superior tyrant exiled to a barren planet banished by a starship commander he is destined to destroy Left for dead, he has survived. I'll chase him round the moons of Nibia and round the Antares maelstrom and round Perdition's flames before I give him up. There she is. to go on hurting you. I shall leave you as you left me, marooned for all eternity, buried alive, buried alive. Sean! Sean! At the end of the universe lies the beginning of vengeance. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. All right, that was from the trailer for Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, released in 1982. This is obviously the second movie in the Star Trek film series uh, following Star Trek, the motion picture. Now, the motion picture, Mike, as we kind of talked about last week on the podcast, pretty divisive movie among fans, I think, at the time. Yeah. Star Trek, the motion picture was, I think, originally envisioned as a TV show. You know, they were, I think they were going to call it like Star Trek Part Two or something like something along Star Trek Phase Two was like the name of the show they were kind of developing. So it would have been like, you know, a sequel series with the original cast. Got it. Okay. You know, that that was the plan. And then Star Wars, 1977, huge hits, 
and they were like, hey, we have this other sci-fi star tre- star based par- uh, <laughs> property here. We should try to make a movie out of this. And so they made Star Trek the motion picture. And that is the one that Gene Roddenberry, the original creator of Star Trek, is very heavily involved in. Um, okay. He is still a consultant on these other movies. But it sounds like after the motion picture, he was kind of pushed out of production. The reason being the motion picture was not well received critically. <laughs> mm. You know, and I think largely because people were looking for something that was more like Star Wars, when in fact, Star Trek, the motion picture is closer to like 2001, a space odyssey. Got it. Uh, and that is the reason why Star Trek, the motion picture is actually the best of the three movies that I watched this past week. <laughs> <laughs> you're a psycho. You're a, you're uh, a bad man. <laughs> I, I truly do believe uh, having just watched the first three Star Treks uh, and really enjoying all of them. I will say I, I enjoyed all three of these first three movies. The motion picture is the one that I think I like the most. And so I'm going to leave it at that. OK. All right. Fascinating. <laughs> you know, that, that's going to be my Star Trek hot take for the day that I'd like motion picture more than Wrath of Khan. But so Wrath of Khan came out in 1982, three years after the motion picture. And uh, Gene Roddenberry kind of forced out of production. It kind of tried to develop, become more of a blockbuster type thing than the first movie was, yeah. uh, where the first movie is really, truly a 2001-esque movie. Uh, this is more in line with Star Wars. It's also diving into the history of the show because it is technically a sequel to an episode of the Star Trek series, which is uh, the episode Space Seed, which is where Khan first appears. That's where all the stuff they talk about with Khan in this movie happens in the episode Space Seed. Ah, when they get marooned uh, on the island and all that stuff. Yeah, all that, all that stuff is planet. in there. Uh, and I think think I have seen that episode, but like years ago, like a long, long time ago. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, Wrath of Khan, uh, when it came out, kind of immediately considered a, a huge improvement over the first movie. Uh, it was a huge, uh, you know, box office success, uh, set a world record for its first day. Box office gross. Uh, critical reaction was very positive, all, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, to this day, Wrath of Khan still generally considered uh, the best movie in the Star Trek series. It's the movie that um, is was frequently referenced in the reboot series. Obviously, Star Trek Into Darkness is just Wrath of Khan again, but like with its own, you know, universal twists or whatever. Yeah. You know, th- th- there was all that. Um, so yeah, Wrath of Khan, I think, looms large over the Star Trek series. Uh, so what did you think of this movie, Mike? Again, and, and you ha- don't have the context of watching the other, like the movies surrounding this one, basically. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I realized that, like, I kind of was sort of ominous thing before we went into, like, the the trailer and stuff where I was like, oh, my, inter- my reaction's interesting. This movie rules. Like, I, I don't, like, let's get, let's yeah. make that clear. Okay. Yeah. That, uh, when you said that, I was like, oh, man, did Mike not like Wrath of Khan? No. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I realized the way that I said that. Um, no, this movie is so much fun. It's an absolute blast. Uh, it whips. It's it's so cool. It's, it's, but my, my main thing was, my, my and I guess I didn't like, you know, I wasn't aware that it was like an instant hit. You know, a lot of these movies, a lot of these things that we kind of like get hand-me-downs from the 80s as ch- children of the 90s and stuff. It's like cult. They've evolved a cult into and, and achieved this kind of status. Um, so that was the thing that I was more interested in um, because watching this movie. Uh, but I guess it makes sense that it would have been like an instant classic or, you know, action, whatever. Watching this movie, there is just, like, so much filmmaking (laughs) that goes on in this movie. And I think this is really just an indictment of, like, modern-day movies. You know, there's within 30 seconds or uh, whatever, a couple minutes uh, after the Kobayashi Maru test with Kirstie Alley's, she fails, right? And it's this whole thing, and the, the, the door to the bridge opens, and it's just this, like, angelic white light bathes everybody. And Kirst, there's a close-up of Kirstie Alley standing up and turning around, and she's all pale and everything and then just a silhouetted figure of William Shatner it's fucking Captain (laughs) Kirk Admiral Kirk is here let's go baby that none of that shit would happen in any movie nowadays (laughs) like I was watching (laughs) It's like 45 <laughs> seconds into this movie, I was like on my knees, like cinema, <laughs> you know, so, this was a real like we used to have movies movie for <laughs> yeah. you. Never forget what they <laughs> took from us. Um, basically, it was my entire reaction for an hour and 50 minutes or whatever the runtime of this movie is. But yeah, overall, it's so much fun. Uh, I, th- I think it's so cool, even without the like literal nostalgia for Star Trek. And like, I didn't watch any of that stuff. Obviously, it was not alive in the 60s <laughs> and any of that, but just the cultural osmosis nostalgia of seeing all these people together again uh and and but they like they do look old which is very fun like William Shatner looked old in 1982 I don't understand what his whole situation is uh but but yeah I don't know it's a blast it's so much fun and we'll get into it I'm sure but yeah that was the the main takeaway for me was just like holy shit we 
used to have we used to have movies. There's like moments of like pure horror in this movie that I was not expecting alongside all of the like fun sci-fi silliness stuff and like the fucking worms in the ear and all that shit. I was just like, what is yeah. going on? <laughs> um, so yeah, Wrath of Khan, uh, like, you know, it's one of those things that we talked about, I think last week, actually, uh, kind of like crossing off the the classics uh, in our, in our thirties, like finally going back around to the ones <laughs> and you're like, Oh yeah. Okay. Everybody was right about this movie. <laughs> um, I should have listened. Yes. Uh, I think it's interesting. You mentioned that, uh, you know, William Shatner and everybody are, are much older now. Yeah. Uh, and it's only Star Trek two. <laughs> Uh, you know, like exactly. that's, that's the thing. It's, it's such a weird thing to think about with this movie series is that, uh, you know, this, like the first movie, it was 1979, which was over a decade after the TV show ended. Right. You know, it was truly like a revival of the show with the original cast just on the big screen kind of thing. And so, you know, when you watch these Star Trek movies, uh, and I think this, like these movies, especially like really lean into the fact that, Hey, everybody's getting older and you know, like they're trying to stave off old age, essentially uh, like that, like Kirk is like just trying to be as young as possible. He's, yeah. you know, like, this movie gives him reading glasses that he has to, <laughs> that like he has to use ancient technology reading glasses, which is hilarious. Yes. And all, all that stuff, it just creates a, a very different dynamic than you get in something like Star Wars, right. uh, for example, which was going on at the same time as this, you know, uh, this is. 82 return of the Jedi was 83, right? Like it was like, they're, mm. they're like getting released, like almost back to back simultaneously. Uh, and you know, I've always kind of viewed Star Trek as like the nerdier alternative to Star Wars. The uh, thinking man, Star Wars. Like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what its reputation is. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I think you watch these movies and it kind of makes sense. Cause like, you know, like you said, there is a lot of like really good craft on screen. But like if you watch like the action sequences, the special effects, they are definitely not as sophisticated as what Star Wars was doing at the same time. Right. And also everybody is like 20 years older than everybody in Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, and most of and most of what they're doing is instead of space battles, they're like talking about their problems. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think this movie, these movies really lean into that and do a really great job of it. And so Wrath of Khan, I think, is the most like action packed of the three movies that I watched. And Ricardo Montalban as Khan is a fantastic villain. Oh I mean, he's God. so good in the movie. And so that helps, too. But uh, yeah, it's it's just a it's a really good time. It, it really it showed me showed me the value of Star Trek compared to Star Wars, because I think for me and I had seen some of the show like i had seen some of the original series seen some next generation like i said but for me what star trek was was the jj abrams rebooted series right which is just star wars yeah like, <laughs> you're just waiting for the sabotage needle drop like yeah which you know rules absolutely Actually, my Star Trek Blu-rays, um, all of them open with the trailer for J.J. Abrams' Star Trek from 2009, and that has the sabotage uh, needle drop in it. Uh, Hell yeah. <laughs> you know, it's young Kirk on his motorcycle, like, skating across a cliff, and sabotage is playing. Rules. Great. Love it. Um, but obviously, it's a very different movie, and, uh, you know, it's obvious. It's very clear that, like, Abrams made a Star Trek movie wanting to make a Star Wars movie. And then uh, got and, to do Star Wars. And then he got to do Star Wars, and then the process destroyed it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I think, I think speaking to your, like what you're talking about, there's like a, there's a little bit more of like a cerebral quality to these movies, to, to Star yeah. Trek broadly. And there's a, f a funny little anecdote about that where my friends, my friend and I were watching Wrath of Khan this weekend. We were, had some edibles and the file we were watching froze at the very beginning of the movie. Okay. And we didn't realize because it just fit into Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> so like it's the opening credits of this movie, right? It's just like a, a star, star field, a background, right? Deep space as the credits are rolling, like, you know, in Kirstie Alley, blah, blah, blah. And then it just kind of froze on a, the image froze on this, like, a, a, like space, the vastness of space. And then it's like Ohura, like, oh, enemy contact, like over the radio. It's the, the Kobayashi Maru scene. So it's all these people like on the bridge and the audio of the bridge going on. And we're just kind of like, well, this is intense. <laughs> just like because there's no visuals about what's going on and then like after a minute we're like this doesn't make sense anymore hold on <laughs> and then we realized that the, the 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 video had frozen but the audio was still playing but just yeah. to speaking to star trek's like kind of like weird weirder quality less pulpy stuff like there is in star wars and that kind of thing it fit fit right in that it would just be a, a frozen star starscape <laughs> and then an intense drama scene playing out in audio <laughs> and we didn't realize <laughs> 
<laughs> Absolutely. It was also fun watching it. And like, you know, Wrath of Khan is obviously like the biggest movie in this series. It's also one that I had like, I pretty much knew everything that was going to happen in the movie. I knew like kind of the major points. Like yeah. I knew that this was the one where Spock died, right. for example. And I w- and I've weirdly, having never seen Wrath of Khan, I felt like I knew every beat of the last 10 minutes of the movie. Because uh, I just like, th- that whole sequence is so famous when Spock dies and they do the uh, the Vulcan salute like yeah. up against the glass and, uh, you know, they say the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. And then there's Spock's funeral where Kirk has his eulogy and he says his was the most human. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I've, yeah, I feel like I've just seen that around, like either just in parodies. I know that, I mean, you know, the family guy has done parodies of it and stuff like that. Like just, you know, it's everywhere. Right. Yeah. And, you know, all that kind of stuff. But like elements like the Kobayashi Maru, I remembered from the Star Trek reboot. Uh, and, mm. you know, obviously Khan as the villain. Of course, I remember uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's, uh, you know, unbelievable betrayal is <laughs> literally impossible to believe. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. But it was we were talking to uh, a friend of the podcast, Jake, uh, about Star Trek 2. And he was like, yeah, this movie's fantastic. And it'll make you hate Into Darkness even more. Yeah. <laughs> and I have not watched watched Into Darkness since it was in theaters. Uh, I remember thinking it was OK. But I have always said there was like one moment in Darkness that made me really mad. And I've said it on the podcast many times before, I think uh, the moment where it's revealed that he is Khan. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch has been like captured by the crew of the Enterprise. He, he's like, you know, in the tube and he's finally giving a dramatic reveal to Captain Kirk. He's like, oh, yo, I I am the death, the death of a thousand systems. All that stuff. My name is Khan. And it's a moment that like pauses for like the audience to gasp. Right. And then the other characters look nonplussed because they're like, I don't know who this is. Right, who the fuck is Khan? <laughs> right, because in that in that continuity, they have not met Khan. They don't know who this guy is. Why is this important that this guy is Khan? It's yeah. not. And so Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, even if you haven't seen Space Seed, the original episode which Khan is in, I think it does give you enough. Like, it tells you basically what happened in that episode. Right. And I think Ricardo Montalban does a really great job of, like, delivering that so it doesn't just feel like exposition about, like, why you should care about this guy. And, yeah, I, I like, this. it makes this villain feel extremely fully fleshed out and, like, a really good threat to the the enterprise yeah yeah i mean not having seen uh that episode or anything and and the, you know i've been aware of ricardo Montalban as khan since i've been alive basically right. <laughs> you know um but i didn't know any of the backstory or any of that stuff about what what he, why he is the villain and it's i think it's fascinating that he was they were kind of you know marooned on this planet uh, or whatever and a neighboring planet in the solar system exploded like 16 months later so now they're just like on arrakis from dune <laughs> basically yeah. like it's it's blown away over think it's just a desert planet now they're living beyond thunderdome over there yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah <laughs> um that's fascinating that's wild that like you know uh kirk and, and the enterprise if in theory set them up to survive uh but th- just through like you know cataclysm by accident uh they're now see kirk as like their ultimate villain uh now they must get revenge for what they did to them um so that's fa- that's wild that's fascinating and i think that's the that's the like the star trek twist you know that's the little bit of like a humanism thing going on a little bit of like a justified villain uh, situation and um, and then of course you know Ricardo Bataban is just shoving fucking body horror worms into people's ears and shit and, yeah. and that's even Chekhov's goes, ears Chekhov Chekhov's ears yeah wild and I forget there was another moment later on that's like like kind of just a horror movie section and I was like this is crazy what is going on here it might be when they get to the research vessel and it's like just empty and it's like them kind of all oh, right but anyway, looks like the thing, basically, right? Yeah, like, exactly. It's like the thing or <laughs> alien or something like that. So yeah, very fun. And and yeah, I don't think I I don't you know maybe I would have had more context. I don't know if I would have had more fun or anything having known that episode, having seen the the movie before, like uh, the motion picture. I don't really know if any of that directly ties into Khan and this story. Yeah, um, uh, I can tell you that it really doesn't. Um, <laughs> that, that movie does. I think I'm glad I watched the motion picture. A because it fucking rocked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but B, because it does kind of set up the idea of Kirk as an older guy who is trying to kind of grasp onto his youth in any way he can. Sort right. Of thing, right. And in that movie, he basically assumes command of the Enterprise for what is supposed to be like one last time. And that movie is so good. Uh, it is uh, there's no real villain in Star Trek, the motion picture. Like the 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 idea is there's this like entity out in space that is like coming closer and closer to Earth. And it's like, you know, sort of destroying planets, but they don't know what it is. And so they send the Enterprise out to go investigate and like mm-hmm. find out what it is and try to stop it. And in, in actuality, 
actuality, it is, uh, I'm going to spoil the twist of Star Trek, the motion picture here. Okay. Um, but it is uh, an AI. It's it's the NASA Voyager telescope that disappeared in the 1960s. Whoa. Um, that has like, it's three, you know, 300 years later has like developed into its own like being. Uh, and it, you know, is, is just trying to find its way home. And it's really sad. Holy shit. <laughs> And it's really good. And it involves like this AI that's able to take over like human brains and stuff. And it's, it's fantastic. Star Trek, the motion picture rules. It is the best movie in the series. Having now, now that I've seen three Star Trek movies, I'm saying the motion picture is the best one. Wow. <laughs> but Rathacon also really good. And I think more in line with like what people wanted to see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it does like the action and stuff is pretty good. Like the kind of the like kind of space battle stuff between Khan and uh, I forget what ship he's on, but what he's like taking over uh, one of the Federation ships. Right. Uh, sure. And they kind of have this battle back and forth between they're like sort of playing chicken about who's going to raise the shields first and tip the other ship off that it's like a hostile. Oh, man. The sequence where uh, they re- like Kirk realizes he can like remotely turn the other ship's shields yeah. off. Is so good and so tense, and I think Kirstie Alley plays that really well. Like that confusion of like, what is this? Uh, yeah, you know that that sort of stuff. It's it's great. It's like a Mission Impossible sequence. Yeah, <laughs> it rules. <laughs> and he's got his little fucking Ben Franklin reading glasses on. Very funny. Yep. Yeah, that sequence rocks. Uh, and and it's just like you know surprisingly intense. And I and I think and like you know the violent air quotes for a movie from 1982, but you know, like they're showing like decks getting exploded on the ship and like people running around on fire and stuff. (laughs) Like what the fuck is going on? It Uh, is very funny. Anytime like a ship is fired upon and you see like, you know, the ship, like the camera shaking and some guy like jumps over like, Whoa. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You ever, I mean, I'm sure you've seen the like stabilized star Trek gifts where like they take the scenes when everyone's like, Whoa, and lurching all over the place and they stabilize the video. So the, the, the bridge doesn't move, uh, but it's <laughs> but just, just the people are moving. all the people flapping all over the place. <laughs> Very funny. Going in all nice. different directions. It's good. It's good stuff. Nice. Absolutely. But yeah, and it was fun to watch like uh, star Trek three right after this. So like I was kind of saying, like there's kind of a, a three film story arc, okay. um, that starts with wrath of Khan. So wrath of Khan is the start of it. And, uh, Unlike movies that are made today, Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan is a complete story. It doesn't feel like one movie that's like setting up three other movies or something, right? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't end with them like somberly looking out the window at like remains of something and being like, we're going to investigate that next. Yeah. I mean, it does end with them somberly looking out the window. Um, Well, yeah, of course. (laughs) You know, Spock just died. They sent his body into space. Yeah, true. Exactly. You're not right. Um, But but Star Trek III The Search for Spock basically reveals that, uh, you know, obviously Spock isn't dead um uh, yeah uh and so search for spock is all about them trying to get spock back and like it's it essentially reveals that uh spock did a vulcan mind meld with uh, mccoy right before he died and so mccoy's mind is like sort of possessed by spock and he's like going insane uh and so they have to travel back to the genesis planet where spock uh where spock's body landed yeah and meet up with uh kirstie alley's character who is not played by kirstie alley in star trek three so savik is in three and four but it's not kirstie alley anymore it's somebody else interesting and they have to meet up with her and with kirk's son david who gets introduced in this movie as well and <laughs> i forgot about that subplot yeah and then they they go over to the genesis planet and christopher lloyd is the villain of it and he plays a klingon who's like out for revenge and he's awesome christopher lloyd's great in the movie uh it's really cool but i think what's cool about search for spock is that kirk basically sacrifices everything in order to save spock because they the starfleet does not want them to leave starfleet doesn't want them to go search for spock and so they like hijack an enter- the, the enterprise they hijack the enterprise and steal the ship and like you know run away cool <laughs> it's really fun uh and sulu has to beat a guy up it's pretty neat and so they they you know warp speed out of there they get to the genesis planet in the process uh you know kirk basically is about to lose his job at starfleet because of this insubordination mm-hmm. and also he has to blow up the enterprise to save everyone Fuck yeah. uh, and so he has to blow up the ship that means so much to him but it's all to uh bring spock's body back to the vulcan planet so that they can kind of do the uh whole ceremony that might bring him back and it does uh and so the end of the movie has spock coming back to life and then star trek for the voyage home i haven't watched it yet but it sounds like they go home <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the one about the, the whales or something. Yes, I, don't, yeah. I, I believe in the voyage home. They travel back in time uh, to like the sixties or seventies. Like they travel back to present day. Yeah. Uh, and it's about like saving humpback whales. Uh, and it's supposed to be fantastic. I've heard great things about Star Trek four. Uh, you know, uh, I think three and four, I, by the way, directed by Leonard Nimoy. Yes. Yeah. And then eventually, uh, what's his name? Right. Shatner starts directing them. Or Shatner, directed- Shatner directs number five, uh, which I think is generally considered a pretty bad one. Got it. <laughs> 
But yeah, I think I think I've heard that like, you know, oh, Star Trek four is the one with the whales. Right. Or whatever. Yeah. And have like generally written it off. But having watched Avatar 2 Way of Water, I'm on board, baby. Give me more sci-fi whales. I mean, absolutely. I'm in for space whales. Yeah, Star Trek IV uh, completes the story arc begun in 2 and Search for Spock, intent on returning home to Earth to face trial for their actions in Search for Spock. Uh, The former crew of the Enterprise finds the planet in grave danger from an alien probe attempting to contact now-extinct humpback whales. Uh, The crew travel to Earth's past to find whales who can answer the probe's call. That sounds rad as hell. It sounds great. sounds fantastic. (laughs) I can't wait to watch this movie. Uh, Sounds really fun. Uh (laughs) Oh, my God. just going to be big Trek heads now? It, it might be. Uh, like next week's episode might be me talking about four, five, and six. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that might be it. Um, but yeah, so like four, because he blows up the Enterprise and then like the end of the movie has him taking over Christopher Lloyd's ship, uh, the Klingon ship, and now they're traveling on that. Uh, so yeah, but Star Trek two, man, what a picture. <laughs> what a picture. Ricardo Montalban, we used to have actors, you know, I don't know. <laughs> we used to have movies, basically, right. is how I felt for two hours while watching this movie. <laughs> just everything about it is is interesting and stylish and cool even the dumb scenes where it's like the woman on the research station talking to the kid that is like very clearly gonna be kirk's son in two hours right <laughs> yeah. uh i don't know they like are in cool uniform like cool uniforms and shit and they bi- they built these sets they built real things um you know that's how i also like i just watched alien also um this weekend and it was like holy shit man you know if this would have been on the volume and it and uh, nobody would give a fuck anymore like right I don't, I yeah don't know. i mean it's it's sort of unfair to compare anything to alien because that movie maybe has the best production design of I any know. movie ever so i it's, know <laughs> it's, it's a little tricky um but uh yeah but yeah star trek 2 looks great i mean it, it really does feel tactile and it feels i don't know it expands the world and like kind of develops plots from the previous series but you know in an accessible way for new people to just jump in uh yeah no i, I had a blast watching star trek 2 the wrath of Khan. yeah Basically, and definitely recommend it uh, after eating edibles. You know, <laughs> can, can confirm. Great time. <laughs> that is the way to do it. Uh, yeah. Pretty good stuff. Uh, any other scenes in Rathacon that you wanted to highlight, Mike? I don't know. We kind of talked about everything in passing, at least a little bit. I was really taken aback by the like con worm scene, which I keep coming back. Sure, to. Sure. Yes. I mean that that is a pretty brutal scene. Uh, Very brutal, yeah. and I was not expecting anything close to that in a movie like this uh just kind of in my you know preconceived notions about what a star trek movie is uh, yes was not expecting like carnivorous space worms being peeled apart and jammed into people's ears or whatever is going on there uh gross and then poor Chekhov, man you know yeah poor Chekhov. i mean he uh he survives at least I mean, they get the they get the brain worm out of his brain um but uh yeah i like that it gives Chekhov a sizable role at least yeah uh, that's true that, that is also the thing with some of these what i've noticed in these three movies is that uh you know there's a lot of focus on kirk spock and mccoy yeah and then the rest of the crew is like also there <laughs> yeah that's a good point you're not wrong yeah <laughs> uh and so whenever it gets a moment like in star trek 3 when sulu gets to beat a guy up i'm like oh hey good for sulu uh you know but whenever i'm watching like uhura in the movies i, I keep thinking back about like uh to Sigourney weaver's character in galaxy quest uh who yeah. is just like yeah i sat at a console and said yes commander there are things right over here and that was it for years <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's that's pretty true. Yeah, she barely gets to do anything in this movie, and I'm sure in the other movies as well. And yeah, but what about you, Mike? Anything? What was your what was your favorite? Your standout? Well, I, I did want to say I really enjoyed the uh, the Kobayashi Maru Kirstie Alley's attempt through yes. it, and then also kind of the follow up to that, the reveal that Kirk, uh, you know, actually cheated on his Kobayashi Maru test, but Starfleet like kind of let him pass because it's like. Well, no one's tried that before. That's new. That's new. Yeah, <laughs> that's a new thing. But I like that, that kind of sets up his uh, his arc in the movie where, you know, he's uh, he's never had to kind of face the odds in that way. Never had to face impossible odds like he's always found a way to get out in some capacity. And now he's not going to be able to um, because of what happens to Spock. And I like that, uh, you know, Spock's sacrifice is, you know, sort of it's because of Khan. But really, it's because of Kirk. Like it's, you know, because of Kirk's actions at the end of the movie. Right. That's sort of what causes um, whatever happens to Spock at the end of the movie to happen. It's I kind of forget like how Spock died like whatever is happening like in the tube that he's in is going bad. Yeah, he has to do something with like the reactor or whatever. And it's yeah, yeah. And it's it, there it, the radiation. Yes, uh, yeah. Basically, they there's like a, a move out of range, and so they're not going to be able to uh, escape in time because the warp drive is inoperable. And so uh, to restore the warp power, Spock goes to the engine room, and there's radiation there. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, Spock uh, gets in there, and all all that stuff. McCoy tries to stop him, and then that's when Spock does the mind meld, uh, which I don't think you see 
in this movie. I think you just see that in Star Trek Three. <laughs> he do, he does do the like the like Vulcan pinch thing and like knock him out. Okay, gotcha. Uh, so yes. you see that, and then uh, does he put his hand on his face? I don't remember. He might actually I, I, do that I after. I I think that's added in in Star Trek Three because it's it's funny in Star Trek Three. Um, Kirk is like watching footage from Star Trek Two. Amazing, uh, and it's and it's acting as if it's like the camera on the ship, like you know the ship logs that are always like yeah. kind of recording everything. But it's it's just. The movie Star Trek Two that he's yeah. watching. Uh, it's like it's like the scene in Spaceballs where you know you're fast forwarding through the movie. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And he's like going back and forth in Star Trek Two, and I think, I think they add in a scene of him doing the mind meld to kind of throw that in there. Which um, I did. I did watch by accident. Air quotes. Accident. The director's cut. So I wonder if that is like part of the director's cut thing. Oh, maybe yes. Maybe uh, so I yeah. Don't know. You you watch the director's cut. I watch the theatrical cut. So I don't know what the difference is really. Me neither. Um, but <laughs> but I know there is one. And I, I will say I, I I feel like I knew Kirstie Alley was in this movie, but I was still surprised to see her. <laughs> yeah. You know. Same. Yeah. She's probably all. It's, I mean, she's good in it. She's great in it. Uh, yeah, I, I like her. I like her a lot in it. But I, I you know, I mostly know her. I, I was a big Cheers fan. She's right. one of my best friends because she was on Cheers. That's uh, right. <laughs> you know, and she uh, she recently passed away, and so there was a lot of talk about her uh, role on Cheers. And I feel like Star Trek might have been mentioned. Um, but yeah, I, I completely like forgot that she was in it. Maybe, but like as soon as she showed up, I was like, hey, uh, that's Kirstie Alley. That's weird. And is it introducing? She might be an introducing credit, which is I believe this is her very first movie. Yeah, yeah, that's wild. Yeah. But yeah, all that stuff I did. Uh, I also note, like, noticed just having watched the uh, reboots and stuff, but uh, Carol Marcus, the uh, scientist in Project Genesis, who is the mother of Kirk's son, uh, she's in Star Trek Into Darkness also. She, really? uh, that, char- that character is played by Alice Eve in Star Trek Into Darkness. Oh, interesting. Um, so another nod to Wrath of Khan that that movie uh, brings in, although I don't think that character does anything in Into Darkness. I think she's just there and maybe takes her top off at one point. <laughs> I think you're right, actually, now that you're saying that. <laughs> like, that all sounds very vaguely familiar <laughs> i think she bones down with kirk yeah well yeah because they gotta make a son right they gotta, they gotta, make, they gotta make david it's they gotta redo although i don't think they ever followed that up i don't think star trek beyond introduced uh, his son at all although at that point i guess the son would have been like three years old i don't know who's to say <laughs> who knows <laughs> it's weird they never made a fourth one i don't know they never got around to it didn't didn't that movie kind of bomb though I think, Beyond? I mean, they, they did less well as they went on, right. you know, I, I think we talked about this in, in the discovery episode that we did for the Michelle Yeoh podcast, but yeah, like Star Trek one, the 2009 reboot was like a pretty big hit. Like yeah. it did really well at the box office and then into darkness, uh, did less well, like both critically and commercially. And then beyond, I think was more liked critically. Like I liked beyond, but it was, it also did less well than into darkness. So I, they were making less and less money, but I think they had like, there was a lot of plans for a fourth one. And, but then like, you know, Anton Yelchin died. Right. Um, so they had to write right around that. There was talk about doing a Star Trek four, but that would have been directed by Quentin Tarantino, uh, which, oh was never gonna, which was never going to happen. But I remember there was talk about it. You remember that? I do remember that. Um, and then uh, and then probably uh, uh, Force Awakens sprang up right eventually. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I, I mean, I, there, there, there was also talk about bringing back Chris Hemsworth, who was in the first scene of Star That's Trek. 09 right. Yes. As Kirk's father. Like it would have been like a time travel story that would have involved Kirk meeting his father, you know, that kind of stuff which could have been a potentially fun idea that would have been you know post thor chris hemsworth so you know could it could have been a fun way to do it but yeah they never got around to it and then yeah jj abrams he directed the first two and then moved on he um passed on beyond uh, star trek beyond actually came out after force awakens did it um, i don't remember yeah force awakens was 2015 beyond was 2016 um so they were still trying i think i think maybe they were hoping like hey a similar kind of you know space bound franchise boost let's help each other out kind of thing Uh, the barbenheimer of you know whatever (laughs) whatever But uh, yeah, no, it, it did not uh, did not do what they were hoping to do, which is a weird thing. And so, yeah, and now Star Trek is mostly a TV thing again. Now they have Discovery, which is ending. They have Strange New Worlds, which I've, I'm hearing is great. I'm actually hearing like I've heard really good things about Strange New Worlds. Yeah. Uh, I know that I know they did a musical episode recently. That's fun. Um, yeah, so that, that's a fun thing. Uh, and then they have like lower decks and like, you know, just kind of random Star Trek stuff that exists. But yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing a new Star Trek movie. I, 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 w- I wouldn't mind seeing that old rebooted cast back again. Like I liked those. That cast was a great cast. It was absolutely. They'll have to do the thing that they, you know, like like a sequel thing where it's like because they did it with with um my friend and i were talking about this with uh the old the original cast and the next generation cast in the movies i think there's uh there's a movie called star trek generations um which is like the first next generation movie but it involves 
Kirks and Spock, I think, and maybe McCoy, um, but not the whole cast. There's a couple of them, right? Just like, but the like the handover to the new the new generation, the new cast. Yeah. Uh, so now that we've we're in the reboot, we've already rebooted it. Uh, so now if they just do a new cast, <laughs> they'll have Chris Pine and and Simon Pegg come back or whatever. And yeah, uh, it w- it would be actually be really interesting if they tried to do a reboot of Next Generation, just because like I I don't know, I feel like those it's weird. Next Generation I think is like more popular among newer Star Trek fans than the old show. Yeah. But I feel like the older characters characters are more iconic and easier to reboot for some reason. I don't know why. Like in my head, I'm like, I, I can't accept someone other than Patrick Stewart as Jean-Luc Picard. I, oh. I don't, I don't, my, my brain doesn't register that, you know? Absolutely. Yes, correct. There's like anybody could be Kirk, but nobody could be. <laughs> <laughs> Just some rando on the street could be yeah, exactly. <laughs> James T. Kirk. <laughs> I mean, that, that was the weird thing when Star Trek 09 was coming out. My main reservation was that like, I don't think anybody but Leonard Nimoy can play Spock. <laughs> like, I just yeah. don't see it. Uh, I think Zachary Quinto did a pretty good job, but it's it it wasn't like um I don't know it's just it's Leonard Nimoy man it's, that's it yeah <laughs> but I th- I think sort of a similar thing with uh, Next Gen where I feel like and again I haven't watched as I haven't watched as much Next Gen as like uh, as I have watched Old Trek so maybe maybe other people would feel differently but like I think Picard's a really iconic character the rest of them I'm like I I don't I'm not sure I, I I'm not sure these characters are well known enough to like warrant a movie series again <laughs> that's true you know. Yeah, no, I agree. But I, I think not even doing like a next generation reboot, just make a new Star uh, Star Trek, like whatever fucking ver- with the Abrams. Oh, sure. Of- yeah. You're, you're just saying like a whole new crew, new yeah, faces, new crew. just whatever. Like, yeah. But have have like Chris Pine and, and like a couple of the OG cast come back to hand it off like the generations thing. Yeah, uh, I'd be down for that. That'd be fun. And that's it. Carl Urban, yeah. right? Is he in there? I don't Carl Urban plays McCoy in the in yeah, the Star yeah, Trek yeah. Uh, reboot. Yeah, no, it's Carl Urban. It's Chris Pine. It's Zachary Quinto as Spock. It's uh, Zoe Saldana as Uhura. That's right. Um, I said Simon Pegg. Is he even in those movies? I don't. Remember. Yeah, no. Simon, Simon Pegg plays Scotty. Okay. Okay. Got it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. I've he plays Scotty. Anton Yelchin is Chekhov. Sofia Patello was in Beyond. Uh, John. John. Chu? Oh, John Cho plays Sulu. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he's Sulu. Yeah. 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 It's a it's a fantastic cast that they developed for those movies. What a great, uh, what a great show. What a great movie. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I was like, you know, say what you will about J.J. Abrams. I think he does cast really well like that's like yeah. his kind of i think it's his biggest strength is like finding likable people that you want to watch in like a bunch of things which might be because he used to be a tv guy and like would develop a lot of pilots and right. it's like hey you gotta <laughs> have somebody you have you want to have people here that you're going to want to watch for like seven seasons of a show <laughs> exactly maybe um, uh, maybe yeah. just don't write and direct them anymore you know yeah or at least uh don't write and direct anything after the first one because he's usually pretty good at starting things <laughs> yeah good point good point <laughs> you know that's the thing his star trek 09 is good i still like his force awakens but that was also the thing with his tv shows uh where he would always like you know maybe be around for the first season um but then he would leave and do a different show like he he would always be right. like he would very rarely be there when the show is ending like he was not involved with lost ending he was not involved with any of that alias stuff like that i think the only show he was around for the full run for was felicity um wow yeah so weird stuff and apparently and i i haven't actually watched felicity but i believe the final season of felicity does involve time travel you know weird thing which is like that that show was like a high school drama you know that was <laughs> like <laughs> yeah why not but yeah, I think, and Rise of Skywalker weirdly was like the first time anybody had asked J.J. Abrams to end something and it was a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> and we still haven't recovered culturally since. Yeah, uh, truly. I, I think I think we can separate, you know, our timeline into it before Rise of Skywalker and after Rise of Skywalker. My God. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That movie uh, is bad. Um, but yeah, it, it is just a weird thing where like, man, even like the Colin Trevorrow version of this seems better than what J.J. Abrams came up with. So maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't let him end things anymore. Also, Abrams has like hasn't made a movie since then. Which, I mean, yeah. yeah. Which you know, granted, like you know, there was COVID and everything and all, all that stuff. And he, I'm sure, has enough money where if he doesn't want to make any movies anymore, he doesn't have to. Yeah. <laughs> but but also, like, where do you go from Star Wars? You know, like that's that's also the weird thing. Like, destroy George Lucas. It's gonna destroy <laughs> J. J. Abrams. <laughs> I, I would be curious if he had like another original movie in him. You know, like yeah. uh, like you know, he had Super Eight. That was his, that's his one original movie. Uh, which rules. Is, I think I like. Super 8 a lot. Uh, and I say original movie, but it's very much like a pastiche of like 80s Spielberg movies too. Right. But yeah, that's like his one original movie that he's had. Uh, and I'd be curious if he had another one like that in him. That would be nice, right? That'd be cool. Just original movies, you know? Yeah, that would be great. As we sit around, sit here talking about what Star Trek Two, the, yeah. the sequel to a movie based on a TV show. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> but yet, I think there's something, Wrath of Khan has this X factor that might just be because movies now are 
just bland nothingness that makes this movie really fucking pop. Uh, you know? Yeah. It, I mean, it also came out. I mean, this was a really good summer at the movies. 1982. Um, this is the year that Blade Runner came out. It's the year that E.T. came out. It's the year The Thing came out and Poltergeist. You know, it's it's kind of considered like a, a great movie summer. Got it. Uh, Rocky Three came out. <laughs> I think that counts. My <laughs> I think, yeah, we can put it in there. Uh, you know, 48 hours came out in 82. Uh, you know, I'm just looking at the 82 list now, but, uh, yeah, no, it was, it was a good movie year, uh, for like blockbusters. We used to uh, have movies. Exactly. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Star Trek two was like, you know, it was very much like in that like first wave of like blockbuster movies, like right. blockbusters were still kind of a new idea, like a new re- thing that was happening, you know, thanks to Jaws and Star Wars and kind of moving on from there. But yeah, Star Trek two came out on June 4th, 1982, the same day as Poltergeist. Whoa. And then a week later it was E.T., uh, which opened on the same day as Grease two, uh, Grease two did not do as well, I think. And then two weeks after that, it was Blade Runner and the thing on the same day. <laughs> wild both of those bombed crazy Um, yes yeah uh yeah well basically et came out two weeks earlier and just crushed him for yeah (laughs) i basically crushed the entire summer of 1982 (laughs) it's nuts that's nuts what a wild time to have been alive yes yeah absolutely um yeah any other thoughts about star trek 2 the wrath of con mike um, not anything in particular other than just like, you know, sometimes the kind of conventional wisdom is right some <laughs> about movies being good. I don't know. Right. <laughs> and yeah, but I, I had a blast. Thank you, David, for for finally uh, just giving us giving us both the nudge to just sit down and push play. Turns out Mike is a huge Trekkie now. So good for you, Mike. I'm excited <laughs> for you on that journey. Yes. Uh, you're you're, you're going to see me next week and my headphones will have been converted to Vulcan ears. Yeah. Like it's going to be a whole thing. <laughs> You'll have the uh, the Starfleet shirt with the button on it and everything. Yeah. It'll be it'll be a whole thing. Your entire new personality. So shout out to David for that. And, yes. And uh, yeah, I mean, I had a lot of fun with it, and and I do kind of want to watch some of these other movies now. So. Yeah, I mean, I highly recommend uh, Star Trek: The Motion Picture, uh, the most hated movie in the series. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait for that. Uh, I'm not sure if it's the most hated, but it's it was certainly a divisive one. <laughs> yeah, I feel like five might be the most hated, just from what I've heard. Yeah, five, five is pretty disliked. I feel like there's a couple of the next generation ones that are pretty uh, mm, disliked yeah. as well. I'm just going to run down a couple of the other movies that came out in the summer of 1982. Okay. Uh, Conan, Conan the Barbarian uh, was in 82. Uh, you had Annie, John Houston's Annie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that yep. came out that year. Rocky three, and then you got Poltergeist, Star Trek two, E.T., Grease two, Blade Runner, The Thing, The Secret of Nim came out in July of that year. Wow. Uh, Tron came out. Uh, you had uh, the best little whorehouse in Texas. Yep. If you're a Burt Reynolds, Dolly Parton fan, you had oh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High was uh, was August of 82. Uh, Friday the 13th, part three came out in Whoa. August of 82. A, a great 3D film. The Beastmaster. Hell yeah. <laughs> came out in 82. Uh, class of 1984. I mean, there, there's some good stuff here, Mike. Some good stuff. What Amity a time. to The Possession. <laughs> what a time to have been just like 16 or something, yeah. you know, <laughs> just like, or I guess 17. Did our ratings exist yet by then? Uh I mean, our ratings have existed for a while, but uh, PG-13 didn't, did not exist that, yet. Yeah, PG-13 that was a couple, did. That yeah. was a couple years later. But yeah, a lot of good stuff. Pink Floyd, The Wall came out in 82. Fuck yeah. Yeah. I, I, that feels like, you know, the equivalent of like, oh, Halloween 3 came out in 82. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> that ruled. First Blood. Yeah, great movie. Um, yeah, that, that feels like the movie summer that I had when I was like 15, 16, like summer 2008, I, I've always considered it was like a really great movie summer. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah, and that was, you know, littered with superhero movies and stuff too. But like, they were really good ones. It was Iron Man, The Dark Knight, Hellboy 2, Wally came out that year. You know, it was, it was a good year. Yeah. I mean, I feel like just any year that you're 16, that summer. That's going to be, that's going to be the good one. <laughs> that's a great movie summer, you know? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Also released in 1982, Mike, uh, Piranha 2, The Spawning. What? Oh, interesting. Yeah. And Creep Show. Hell yeah. Yeah. George Romero. Yeah. A lot of good stuff here. 48 Hours, Gandhi, The Verdict, Airplane 2, Sophie's Choice. I'm, I'm, at the, I'm in the Oscar season now. Got it. Okay. <laughs> uh, the Oscar season for Airplane 2. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Tootsie, a lot of stuff. So uh, anyway, Star Trek 2, The Wrath of Khan. What a picture. What a uh, picture. Yes. Thank you again to David for paying $50 to make us watch that and uh, for getting me into Star Trek in a bigger way. Because yeah, I got to watch uh, both this and Star Trek the Motion Picture and Star Trek 3 The Search for Spock and uh, really enjoyed all of them. Had a great time uh, and I look forward to watching the next three movies in the series. I'll finish out my Blu-ray collection now. I, it gave me an excuse to finally uh, invest in this Blu-ray collection that I purchased a while back. Right. You're finally getting some use. Yes. And I can't wait and then you're going to just be all in the te- the Next Generation movies. You're just never going to stop now, Mike. Yes. Well, I, I can't watch Next Generation until I watch all of the TV shows. Okay. Star Trek yeah, the right. Okay. <laughs> 
Just be sick and put on BBC America one day. You'll see it all. Uh, I'll see it all. (laughs) I'll be there. All right. And that's going to take us to the end of this week's episode of the show. So Mike D, where can we find you online this week? You can find me at MD Film Blog on Twitter and Letterboxd, as well as on Blue Sky at mdfilmblog.bsky.social. And if you'd like to donate to support the show or pick a movie for us to watch, maybe another Star Trek, uh, one of those Next Generation ones, so we could force Mike Smith to do that. Uh, You can do that at our Kofi page, which is kofi.com slash Mike and Mike Pods. And if you would like merch, we have merch available on our Redbubble, which is Mike and Mike Pods Redbubble.com. Yes, I will willingly watch the rest of the original cast by myself. But if you want to make me watch a next generation movie, you gotta cough up. You gotta pay some <laughs> you gotta pay some money. <laughs> you gotta draw the line somewhere. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I have no attachment to that cast. I like these guys, you know. Fair. But yeah, all right. So uh yeah, and you can find me online at M Smith Film Blog on Twitter, Mike Smith Film on Letterboxd, Radio Mike Sandwich on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening to Mike my go to the movies. I'm Mike Smith. That's my decree show. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app. And if you want to contact us, you can tweet at us at Mike and Mike Pod. And you can find the rest of our podcast on Rapture Press alongside many other podcasts, but all kinds of comic books and movie news and all that good stuff. Uh, so next week, we're doing a Let's Rank. And we didn't really have anything in mind for this uh, until about five minutes before we started recording. Uh, yes. Mike D had a great idea. <laughs> Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, uh, no, this is a really good idea. And so next week we're doing Let's Rank, and it's going to be Let's Rank Gateway Horror. And so the idea of this is we're going to rank five movies, either the five mo- five movies that we think got us into horror mm. or movies that you would want to show people to get them into horror. Uh, you know, we, Mike D kind of said, like, hey, it's September. We're sort of in the uh, the lead up to spooky season. Uh, this would be a fun thing to do. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking about, uh, yeah, just, you know, sometimes every now and then the friend will be like, hey, I don't really watch scary movies. Like, what what should I watch? Like, what if I want to get started? And you know, right. trying to like think of a couple ones to recommend or whatever. And I remember there was a podcast. Uh, I think it was called Scaredy Cat, if I remember okay. right. Where it was two guys from another podcast, or I can't remember. Maybe. Um, Citations needed or something. Anyway, where one guy is a big horror nerd and the other guy hates being scared, hates horror movies, can't take can't take it at all. Uh, and it was them together going through a journey of like you know horror movies and stuff and like trying to we eventually lead up to see if he the the scaredy cat friend could become a horror guy. Right. Uh, and it was a very fun journey. So it's just kind of a good good you know get dip, dip the toes into the pumpkin spice. You know it's almost yes. time. <laughs> Absolutely. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. And so we're going to be talking about some of the movies that got us into horror. I'm going to have to like really think about this. Uh, I have like one. I have two movies that that I have locked down in my head right now that are going to be on my list. Mm, mm-hmm. But I got to really consider. I got I to gotta think about this a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot, much, much to consider. And then there's one movie that for sure got me into horror, but I don't know if I would ever recommend it to somebody as like, hey, try out horror. I mean, not that it's like crazy. It's Carrie. It's Carrie. Oh, but okay. Oh, yeah, it's like, that's a good one. That's, you know, that's I solid. saw that at like nine or 10 when I was like, wasn't, was supposed to be asleep already and kind of thing. Yeah. But that seems like a lot to like. I, th- I thought you were going to be like, I watched uh, Solo and the 120 Days of Sodom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just like Serbian <laughs> film. We're just yeah. going right into the deep end. <laughs> No. And I turned out fine. And I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, maybe Carrie will be on Mike's list next week. We will see what maybe. happens. But yeah, Let's Rank Gateway Horror is happening next week. And in the meantime, The Complete Works uh, just did an episode on Boss Level. Uh, and next week, it's Gunpowder Milkshake. Just getting uh, getting all those 2021 straight to streaming releases off of the list. Crossing yes. them off. <laughs> Crossing them off the list. The world is on fire. Straight to streaming. Yes, absolutely. And that is the end of this week's episode of Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. We will see you on the other side side.